Thanks, worship team, for leading us this morning. I'm not going to speak for an hour and a half, though I no doubt I probably could. Um, anyone who knows me would probably back that up. Um, but I'm not going to this morning. But this morning, I, I really feel like God's laid on my heart a, a message for a while as we're looking at the Christmas season. And uh, the words are going to come up on the screen as I read from the Bible. I'm going to read from Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. So in this part of the passage, the Savior is here. Jesus has been born. Sorry, I'm a couple of weeks early. Um, in terms of the Christmas story, but I really felt a message this morning laid in my heart about participating is greater than spectating. That's the message that's on my heart. Thanks for putting it on the screen, but I'm just going to read from Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through to 12, and it says this. It should come on the screen. Thank you, Kira. It says, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, Some wise men from the eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem, asking, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, Where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they said, For this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah, for a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. Then he told them, Go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. When you find him, come back and tell me so I can go and worship him too. After this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star they'd seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. And they opened their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. As I was preparing for this message, I quite like to put myself in the story. I like to think about what it could have been like and not add things to the Bible because we can't do that, but just speculate about the things that maybe the Bible has left out in the story. And it starts with these wise men follow the star. Now, I don't know anything about stars apart from they're in the sky, but there's nothing in this passage that says that nobody else could see the star. Now, it doesn't say there's three wise men, but it just said these wise men saw a star and they followed it on the journey. And it made me wonder how many other people saw the star, but they just looked at it and thought, oh, it's just a star. There's nothing significant about what that is. And, but these wise men, for some, there was something about them that they, they, they recognized it and thought there's something special about this star. I wonder where it could lead. Heather and I, when we got married, we went on a honeymoon to Tenerife, and one of the excursions was going up a, a volcano. Now, the sold you the tickets for the excursion, then they told you it was an active volcano that was due to erupt once every hundred years, and the last eruption was like 120 years ago. They then told us, oh, last week we had to cancel the tour because we actually thought the volcano might erupt. That is kind of things you would want to know before you actually, you know, buy the ticket. So I'm then going up and thinking, I don't like heights anyway, and I'm thinking, if this volcano erupts, I'm not sure. I'm very much an every man for themselves kind of person. So I'm like, I am, see you later, as long as I'm safe, I'm fine. Uh, anyone who's been in my team for any survival game would understand that. I work as a team until it becomes very viable that my survival depends on myself. But part of the excursion was it was at night time, so we were above the clouds and we could see the stars. 
And it was incredible because there, there was no light pollution. There was, no, there was nothing at all. It was just magnificent, magnificent, sorry. So there must have been something about this star, though, that shined brighter than all the others because that's what Jesus does. He shines brighter than everything. And I, I was thinking about this, and I thought, why would they follow the star? And the, the first thing I know about participating is greater than spectating is that they position themselves to experience what God was doing. You see, your positioning matters. They put themselves in a position. They had no idea. They didn't understand what it all meant, but they positioned themselves to, to experience the blessing of God. And because of it, they're part of the greatest story ever told. We don't know their names. We make up names that will go on a Christmas quiz about what they could be. But we, we, these wise men, now, was the wisdom in that they were wise before, or was, were they called wise men because they positioned themselves to be participants and not spectators. How insignificant that star might have seemed to so many people, and yet it could just be the thing. What are the things in our life that seem so insignificant that it's easy for people to pass by, but actually God's trying to get our attention and get us into position to be used by him. They put themselves in a position to have an encounter with God. How many maybe have commented on the star, but they never followed it? How many just let it pass them by and they, were, they weren't aware enough to look up? You see, they were spectating, and because they spectated, they missed out on the opportunity to meet the newborn king, the Messiah. They missed out on a chance to be part of what God was doing. How many times in life have I missed the moment because I didn't position myself? How many stars have I missed in my life where God wanted to take me to somewhere, he wanted to use me for something, and I missed out on it because I, was, I wasn't in the right position. You see, participants make a move where spectators sit and they watch. And God wants us, I believe he calls us to be people who position ourselves correctly. So how do we position ourselves? Well, I have five things that I'm not going to, I mean, I stole them from someone else, but they're, they're now mine. But these are five things that were taught to me as a teenager who, for, we were all taught the same thing, but for me, I really took them to heart, and I've shared them with teenagers when I was a youth pastor, and I'm sharing them with you now. I share them with as many people as I possibly can, and they're so simple for how I can get into the right position. Now, I don't mean that every star that you follow, as a metaphor, is going to mean that God's positioning you, but I would rather follow every star in the case that I might just follow that one star. That one star which could change everything. But the five things for great possession are quite simple. Read your Bible. If you want to know what God's saying, read your Bible. He wrote a book. Sounds real sim so simple, but how easy it is for us to... It's, it's easy to not read my Bible. I would actually go far enough to say it's actually sometimes easier to not read my Bible than it is to do a million and one other things. Sometimes it's easy and sometimes it's a real battle, but I believe it's something that can help us get into the right position. Second thing is pray. If you want an answer, just ask him. Prayer is just speaking to God. You can, like, it doesn't have to be a weird thing. It doesn't have to be, it can literally just be a conversation in your car, in the shower, anywhere you want. You can just be like, God, I really need guidance. God, I need wisdom. And all of a sudden, God can give wisdom. The next one is come to church. Now I'm speaking to the choir, but be connected to God's people. I'm more likely to hear God's voice in a church service than I am in the chaos of. Now, it doesn't mean that God doesn't speak there, but I can position myself to be part of what God's doing, and a local church is part of that. So if, you're, if you don't make it a regular habit to come to church, please do. It's a good thing for you to do. I guarantee if you come to church every Sunday that you can for a year, 
I guarantee you'll have a better year than the year where you don't. Guarantee it. I don't know what I'll look like. I can't tell you everything that's going to happen, but I guarantee that will happen. If you don't believe me, see me this time next year if you've done it. But the fourth thing, and this might seem so simple, but tell people about Jesus, that's another thing that I position myself. I just talk about Jesus. I talk about Jesus every chance I get. Why? Because he's part of my, he's everything. And, and it's just positioning myself, God, if I speak about Jesus, then maybe God will open up doors and, and position myself to be used. And the next one is to live generously. Live a generous life with my time, with my attention, with my financial, with everything I can. God, I'm positioning myself to be a participant in what you're doing, God, because I don't want to sit and watch it go by. I want to be part of the story that he is writing for our life. These wise men are recorded in history books in the Bible. We don't know their names, but all we know is that they position themselves. You see, when you're a participant, your position is different to the ones on the field. I heard a story about football fan because I love football but they were in the stadium when the football team won the league with the last kick of the season and they started jumping up and down saying we won we won we won and then he had the realization we didn't we watched because it was the players on the field who won I just sat and watched and spectating can feel good and it'd been great and it's certainly a lot easier sometimes to watch than to actually participate but what joy it would be to participate I would rather win myself than watch my team win. I like winning. I don't do it very often these days, but I like it when I win. But you can't win if you don't participate. But the second thing I know about this participants and spectators is spectators or participants have a different posture. Your posture matters. Now posture, we can know it means standing properly, but also your posture is your attitude or your approach to something. You see, in this story, the wise men, they came to worship the newborn king. Their attitude and their approach was, I've come to worship him. We've sang about it, I worship you, my king. They came with gifts because they wanted to lay them at the feet of this baby. I mean, Jesus is just a baby. They're not coming to this heroic king who's done anything. He's literally a baby in a manger, but there's just something about them that they realize this Jesus is special and he's worthy of our worship. Whereas spectators would just see a baby in a manger, whereas they saw the saviour of the world. And maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm the only one I'm preaching to, but it's worth it for that, if nothing else. But there may be times in my life when I've came in with the wrong wrong posture. I've came in with the wrong attitude, the wrong approach to serving. The wrong attitude or the wrong approach when it comes to even just worshipping a church on some Sunday mornings. Instead of coming with my hands outstretched and my heart open saying, God, here I am, use me. I've thought it was all about me. And I've had to check myself and, and I've came with this attitude and approach. And guess what? When I come with the wrong attitude and the wrong approach and I come thinking it's about me, then I'm going to miss out on what God's doing. I'll become a spectator and not a participant. Because God is just looking for people who come with open hands and open hearts and say, God, this is all I have. And there's some days where I might have loads that I can give and there might be, it takes all my energy to come and just be part of this worship. And I'm not talking about raise your hands and worship. It's a good thing to do, but if you don't want to do that, that's fine. But it's coming with a heart that's open to say, do you know what, God, this is all I have. God, I'm coming with what I've got. And that's my posture that I'm coming with. And I believe that as you open up your heart to him, God just pours out and pours out and pours out. And he begins to bring things into life where he can be a participant in his story. God can use us for anything that goes beyond anything our wildest dreams. And it's not because we are brilliant, though we are, because we're made in the image of God, but it's actually his grace and his mercy that at work in my life. 
using the gifts and the talents that he's given me already. I'm just giving them back to him to say, God, I'm using this. God, help me in my attitude. Help me in my approach because I never want to do it half-hearted. I never want to do it because I feel like I have to or I should. But God, I'm compelled. Paul writes in the New Testament, I have to do this. I've got no option. It's my desire. It's everything that I want in life is to just give it back to him. And so I have to ask myself the question is, have I ever let moments pass me by because I came in with the wrong posture? And I've spectated what God was doing, but I wasn't a participant, and I could have been. And it wasn't because God didn't want to use me. It wasn't because God didn't want to use you, but actually it's because I came in with the wrong posture. And maybe for some of us, we have to look at that and think, you know what? Life isn't always easy. I don't always get what I want. We don't always sing the songs I want to sing. We don't always get to the way I want to serve things, and I don't always get to do the thing that I would like to do all the time. But actually, God is like, I'm like, God, this is, if I can do it, God, I'm doing it. And it might mean that all I get to do is clean toilets forever. Not that there's nothing wrong with that. But God, if that's what you want me to do, then I'm going to do it the best that I can. Why? Because I believe that if you clean toilets, God can trust you. When he trusts you with the small things, he'll trust you with the large. It's a principle. It's been true of my life, and it'll be true of your life. But the thing is, principles is that they take time to outwork. So you have to trust me. So I, I, I dare you. I dare you once again, if you've come in with the wrong posture to things, just... Let it examine your heart and say, God, I'm sorry. And it might mean that you have to stop doing it because you have to get your posture right first before you come back to it. But I firmly believe that if you want to be a participant, then we have to look at it with the right approach and the right attitude. And the next thing I know about participants and spectators is perseverance. When you're a participant, you have no choice but to keep going. If you're a spectator, you can quit. You can quit when it gets difficult. When I'm, when I'm playing for my, my team, I'm on the pitch. I can't just walk off because I just don't want to play anymore. When I'm watching my team lose, which often happens, I can just turn off the TV. Being a participant means I can just stop watching. I mean, I don't. I torture myself to make sure I keep watching because there's always hope. But as a participant, I have no choice. I have to persevere when it gets difficult. Now, we don't know much about these wise men, but later on in the story, we find Herod basically... Once Herod, if you can imagine, if you know the story, Herod wants to kill all the children because he cannot cope with the fact that there's another king. Jesus was no threat to King Herod whatsoever. In fact, if King Herod had put his trust in Jesus, then he would have realized that he could have been a better king than he could have ever hoped for. But this jealousy, because when it comes to worship and attention, everything will fight against the name of Jesus, but he's worthy of all of our attention. So we know that the, the baby, when they first saw the star, was a, a couple of years at least. And so they had to persevere following a star. Now, if you, I've never been on a journey for two years. But I've been through COVID for two years, and that was perseverance, to be honest. But the fact you're standing here today means that you persevered through that. We got through that. And I'm not saying COVID's not here, but I mean, that was difficult. Lockdowns were really hard. It wasn't easy, and we had to show some character and some perseverance. But I have to show some perseverance sometimes in life just to get through the year or to get through a season. We have to sometimes be a bit resilient. You see, it's a journey. And I, I mean, I, I'm not the best traveler in the world. I like to drive the car rather than be a passenger just because it's easier. But when you go on a journey, it's quite difficult. Imagine going on a journey on a camel for two years. Following a star where you don't really know all the details for where you're going. How do I know? Because they didn't, they went to Herod to ask for advice. And even he wasn't that helpful. Well, kind of, he kind of said go to Bethlehem. But even then, 
what, what do you do? Bethlehem, it's packed out. And so they, we, they persevere on this journey. They travel and they would have had ups and downs. I'm sure there was times where they questioned, what on earth am I doing? How is this moving me closer? Because it, it would have felt amazing and then there was times when it didn't. But every day that they persevered, they got one step closer to being part of this story. You see, participants never give up. You see, we have a vision for our church that's on the wall to stretch, strengthen, and send people locally, nationally, and globally. And, I, and Pastor Jim shared that, and our aim is to share that in the new year again and get stuff sent out. But that vision, I firmly believe, will come to pass whether I have anything to do with it or not. If I'm a participant, it will come to pass. If I'm a spectator, it will come to pass. Why? Because God's vision for this church and for your life is far greater than one person. It's far greater than you. It's far greater than me. But I'm committed to be a participant in seeing that come true. Why? Because I believe it's from God. That God is calling us to move. I believe that that's part of it. And I'm choosing to be a participant on that journey. But guess what? There's going to be some perseverance required for the journey. There's going to be things that come against us that make us actively have to resist. We will go stronger and we will be stretched. But then we'll be sent. And I believe that God is going to use the people in here and this church to glorify his name and to build his kingdom as we spread out east and north. But there's going to be mountains and there's going to be valleys. But we sing a song called Graves and Gardens where it says, But the God of the mountains... Is the God, or the God of the valleys is the God of the mountains. Why? Because God is with me in my valleys, and he's with me in my mountains. On the good days and the bad days, I have a hope in Jesus that he is with me all the way. Not Bank of Scotland, who are with me all the way, apparently. Jesus is literally with me all the way. Other banks are available. But you see, we have to choose to persevere. The Bible says, and Romans, which is my favorite book in the Bible, that we should rejoice in difficult times or tribulations or whatever you want to call it. Why? Because it, it, it develops perseverance within us. And what that does is that it builds character. And from character comes hope. And hope never disappoints. We sang a song there. The darkness was deep, but it was never hopeless. If you know your Bible, and if you don't, I'll tell you, there's the Old Testament and there's the New Testament. The New Testament is basically Jesus' birth and when he arrives, and the Old Testament is everything before him, though there was no before him, because he was always there, but before he came in human form. But between the Old Testament and the New Testament, there are 400 years. 400 years of darkness, of what seems like hopelessness. But... Why would these wise men believe in there was a saviour? Why would they have fallen a star? Why? Because they believed that the Messiah was coming. So for 400 years, generation after generation after generation after generation passed, but they had this hope that one day the saviour might come. And one day he did. And you see, the thing about perseverance is it's developing character and we're believing just like these wise men that one day I'm getting one day closer. So you know what, we've not seen the vision fulfilled yet, but guess what, that next Sunday will be one Sunday closer to the vision being fulfilled. This time next year, we'll be one year closer, and we don't know what it's going to look like, but we can persevere together. Why? Because that's what participants do. Perseverance is always inspired 
by hope. And the worship team can come up because I've got one last one. And you see the participants and spectators, the difference between them is they have a different purpose. You see, participants have a purpose which is to come and to worship the king and to go and to tell his stories. Whereas the spectators, they just get to watch. They don't really have a purpose apart from to just let the world go past them. They can float aimlessly through life in this story. But the wise men, they positioned themselves and they came with the right posture. They persevered and because of that they left having met the Messiah, the King of Kings, the Saviour of the world. And I believe that participants have a different purpose. Purpose to our church purpose is to reach, inspire, serve, and equip. It's on the wall that's the how behind what we're aiming to do. And I believe that as, if you want to be a participant, then th- these words have to become more than just words on a, a board or things that we recite, but they have to become an active thing that we do. And, and for me, it's not always going to be easy, but I'm personally committed to be someone who does everything he can to reach to inspire, to serve and to equip and I believe as I've said, I believe that God's got a plan for this church, I believe he's got a plan for us as people I believe that he's calling us to something far greater than we could ever believe, imagine, dream of and I want to be a part of it and I hope that you do too but if you want to be a spectator then that's absolutely fine, you're more than welcome to come and sit and you can enjoy church and enjoy the things we do but there's something deeper about being a participant being actively involved and saying you know what I want to play my part God maybe maybe I don't have the maybe I'm only a one talent person not a ten talent I don't know what I could do but God I want to give that to you I want to give what I can because I want to be a participant in what you do so that I can say well we've seen the vision come we didn't just watch it happen but we made it happen Because I believe that when we all work together, God commands a blessing. And if there's only a few of us, then there's only a few of us. But what would it look like if all of us committed to be the people of purpose who participate? You know, when you participate, God opens doors for you. I mean, I I think back, and this to me is always kind of time to reflect and look back. And I think there's, there's, and I don't mean this in a, like I look back on my life and I look back on the, the friends that I've had over the years and sometimes my heart breaks for them because they grew up with the same, they were taught the same things, those five things I said at the start, they were taught the same things as me. They were given the same opportunities as me. Some of them more so, some of less so. But we all had the same in terms of the same God who's got a plan for their life and a plan for me. But for a lot of them, they chose to be spectators not participants and I firmly believe that when you choose to be a participant and you say God here I am I'm positioning myself I'm posturing myself I'm persevering then God will give a purpose for your life and I get the honour of being the associate pastor here but I never looked for that I never asked for that but God's got a plan for my life and I believe he's got a plan for your life too And the only person or the only thing that can stop God from outworking the plan for your life is you. The enemy can't stop it. Other people can't stop it. It's only you. 
And so I want to encourage you to not be a spectator. Don't just watch as other people serve. Don't just watch as other people reach. But actually, let's be participants. Let's be people who outwork the purpose God has for our life and for our church's life in order that he gets all of the glory. We'll honour each other, but we'll give him all of the glory. Can we stand? And I'm just going to pray for us. And then I'm going to close. Father God, I thank you for who you are. God, I thank you for this Christmas story. I thank you for the lessons we can learn from it. But God, I pray that you help us all to be people who participate, not just spectate. God, we don't just watch things happen, but we actually make them happen using the gifts that you give us in order that your kingdom can advance, that your purpose and your vision can outwork in our lives and through our lives so that more people can be added and that we can see your kingdom come here on earth. God, we give you all of the praise and we give you all of the glory because you're the only one who ever has been and ever will be worthy of it. Jesus' name.